Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Today we're looking at the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. And as we do, we're answering four questions as we begin this introduction into the Gospel of Luke. We want to answer the question, who is Luke? Why did he write this Gospel? Who did he write it to? And how does he present Jesus in his Gospel? Those are the four foundational things we want to get this week as we look. So let's begin by reading the passage, Luke chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 4. So, Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Who is Luke? You know, of the four gospel writers, uh, the gospel, of the four gospels, I should say, Luke is the longest. It's the longest of the four that are in the New Testament. It contains more material that is unique to Luke than any of the other Gospels. For example, take note of this. There are seven miracles of Jesus and 17 parables that you will not find in Mark, John, or Matthew. They are contained only in Luke. Despite the fact that, that, that his inspired writing, and we're talking about the Gospel that bears his name, Luke, and also the book of Acts, makes up over a fourth of the New Testament, less is known about Luke than any other Gospel writer. It seems that Luke... Uh, did not feel it important that we know much of anything about him personally. His goal was to make much of Jesus, to make much of the work of the Spirit, the birth of the church, and the spread of the gospel. So he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't even use his own name there like Paul does in all of his letters. Um, But he does lift up Jesus very prominently. So not much is known about Luke, but what do we know? That's what I want to share with you this morning. What do we know about Luke? Well, here's what we know. We know that he was not one of the original disciples. We know that he was never named among the apostles. However, he was a very close associate of the apostles. In fact, what we know is that he had direct access to those apostles. He had direct access to Mary, the mother of Jesus. He had access to both Gentiles and Jews who were eyewitnesses and part of the ministry that took place while Jesus was here. And so they gave him a record of Jesus' teachings, his works, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. We also know that Luke was a very, very close companion of the Apostle Paul. Paul mentions Luke in at least three passages Uh, of the New Testament, Colossians chapter 4 verse 14, Philemon verse 24, and 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11. In his letter to Timothy, Paul shares how that when uh, everyone else had deserted him, and there came a point in Paul's life, if you can imagine, that all these people who had been so close to him had left him, and when everybody else had deserted him, he names Luke as the one who was faithful. Luke is the one who has stayed with me. He has been my loyal companion. 
So we know something about Luke, that he's a very loyal, steadfast kind of an individual. From Paul's writings, we also learn what what Luke's occupation was. He was a physician. He was a doctor. So he was trained to look intently into facts and 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 to uh, to analyze. He was not uh, one to go off on an emotional whim, so to speak, but was one to stick with what is truth and what is real, and to do extra work to to determine what is true and what is real. I mean, that, those are things that, that doctors are trained to do. Not only was he a doctor by trade, but we find that he was also a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile believer. And as I come to that particular idea of him being a, a, a Gentile and not a Jew, I just want to take a little aside here for a second to, uh, I don't know, just set an understanding in our hearts and minds here this morning about Jews and Gentiles. Uh, speaking right now strictly from the fleshly point of view and not the spiritual point of view, I want you to understand that from God's perspective, when he looks upon the earth, he sees two classes of people on this planet. Those who are Jews and those who are non-Jews. If you are a physical descendant of Abraham through Isaac, now that's important because Abraham had other uh, children that what I'm about to say is not true if you came through that line. But, but if you are a descendant of Abraham through Isaac, uh, then you are a Jew. That, that's what you are. That you are of that lineage. If you are not of Abraham through Isaac, uh, then you are a Gentile. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It has no, no difference what your ethnicity is. If you are not a descendant of Abraham through Isaac, then you are lumped into this bigger category called Gentiles. Luke was a Gentile. I am a Gentile in the flesh. Now, I could go from a different perspective and talk spiritually, but we'll leave that for some other time. One scholar, Lockyer is his name, actually links Luke with Titus. Perhaps you recognize that as one of the uh, letters that Paul wrote. He wrote to a, a man named Titus. And Lockyer actually links Luke to Titus, claiming that he believes Luke was his brother. I don't know whether that's true or not, but there's your little fact that you can uh, use at your Thanksgiving party with your family to show them what you know about the Bible or what you think you know. Um, Early church tradition records that Luke was a lifelong bachelor and that he lived to the ripe old age of 84. Information about his conversion to Christianity, you know, we have a record of the Apostle Paul's conversion, how it actually happened. We don't have a record of Luke's conversion. So the details about his becoming a follower of Jesus are somewhat sketchy. What isn't sketchy, though, is that he was an absolute devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The final thing that I'll share with you here is that from the time that Paul and Luke met, and that's recorded in the book of Acts, from that moment that they met and became acquainted with one another, uh, Luke became Paul's constant companion. Even to the very end, Luke was always there with him as part of his ministry and part of what God was doing through him. So in summary, we come to this. Who is Luke? Well, he is a physician. He is a Christ follower. He is a theologian. He's an evangelist. He's an inspired scripture writer. He's a missionary. He's a church planter. He's an investigator. 
And he is a historian. And that is who Luke is. So why did this man take it upon himself to write a gospel? And that's a great question, given that right in the very beginning of his introduction, he tells us that there are already many other accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. Already there are works out there that are telling about his teaching, about where he went, about where he came from, about what he did. Those are already in existence. So why do we need another gospel? I'm going to take the long route to answer this question, so bear with me. There are and were many Gospels indeed. Let's start with the four that are published in the New Testament and are considered canonized Scripture. If you want to know what that word canonized means, take my bibliology class that starts Wednesday night and I'll explain that. Right now I'm just going to just leave it dangling out there. Okay? But um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John have been recognized for close to 2,000 years as inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they have enjoyed broad recognition worldwide uh, as being authentic, authoritative, God-ordained scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, there are many other gospels besides Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go out on the internet and just do a search about that, you'll just find a list that is unbelievable how long it is of writings that exist and have existed for years that claim to be gospel accounts. Let me give you just a representation of a few. And these are really just a smattering, okay? Uh, Ask David Bush if you want to know what smattering means. David is our wordsmith here at the church. Uh, He comes up with some of the strangest words. But anyway, uh, but it just shows his intelligence. The man is a smart guy. Um, so um, small representation, the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Marcion, the gospel of Mary. Apparently Mary wrote a gospel. Now, I'm not really saying she did, but there's a gospel out there with her name on it. And it's claiming to come from her. The gospel of Judas. And I'm kind of thinking that's probably not Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus because he hung himself. How could he have possibly written one after? Anyway, Uh, Then there's the gospel of Philip and the gospel of Peter and the gospel of Eve, believe it or not, and the gospel of Matthias. Matthias is the guy who replaced Judas as one of the apostles there in the book of Acts. And as I bring all this up before you this morning, my point here is not to try to prove to you why some works were accepted and why some were not. Again, that's another thing we'll dive into a little bit in this class on bibliology if you show up on Wednesday nights and take it. My point is simply to give credence to what, to what Luke has told us. That in fact there are many records out there that give claim that they are authentic, real, God-ordained records of Jesus. There, there are many people who have taken in hand to set in order a narrative about Jesus. But what we find Luke doing here is we find him without comment or without judgment on the validity of these other so-called gospels telling us why he is taking it upon himself to do this task. What we find is that Luke basically writes to an audience of one. An audience of one. The man's name is Theophilus. And he's writing to this audience of one because he wants this one man to have an orderly, well-researched, and well-documented account 
of the things that have been accomplished among us. And he says why he wants him to have this account of the things that have been accomplished among us. That he may have certainty. That he may be able, his faith may be landed upon a rock solid foundation concerning the things that he's been taught. I want to break that reason down here for just a moment. What what does Luke mean when he says the things accomplished among us? I I want you, Theophilus, to have an orderly account of the things accomplished among us. Well, what that statement means is he's saying, I want you to have an orderly account of those things which have been fulfilled in our time. But what does he mean by that? Well, basically, Luke is referencing back to the Old Testament. He's referencing back to the, to the messianic prophecy. He's referencing back to, the, to the, uh, the prophesied redemptive plan of God. And he's going to show in this gospel how that Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. I want you to know what's been fulfilled among us. It's been prophesied for thousands of years that a Messiah was coming. Theophilus, I want you to have a solid record that shows you that Jesus is that fulfillment. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.